Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to a special episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the special election edition. Ohio has a big decision to make on August 8th. Voters are being asked whether they want to make it harder to change the state's constitution. For the last hundred years, amendments to our founding document have needed to win approval from a simple majority of Ohioans. That's 50% plus one vote. But that could all change on August 8th. If voters decide they want to raise that bar to 60%, this choice will impact all kinds of issues, but the most obvious one is a proposed constitutional amendment to protect access to abortion that's expected to be on the ballot in November. Basically, this is a really big deal, and Haley B. Miller, the reporter covering this issue for our team, very wisely suggested that we dedicate two special episodes to helping our listeners decide whether they want to support or oppose issue one. So thanks, and Haley's here with me. Good to be back. Yeah, and today we're going to dive into why someone might want to make it harder to amend Ohio's constitution, and we're joined by State Representative Brian Stewart. Good to be here. So, Brian, why don't you start off by telling us why someone should vote yes? So. What's your elevator pitch to voters? Well, Ohio's Constitution should be protected in much the same way that the federal Constitution is protected. We don't allow for outside special interests and moneyed interests to essentially buy a spot on the ballot to attempt to change public policy. And sometimes, in in too many instances in Ohio, pursuing policies to benefit themselves first and Ohioans, you know, a distant second. You know, a constitution is supposed to be made up of the the broad ideas that unite us. It should not be a vehicle for the fringe ideas that divide us. A constitution is is the broad parameters of government. Everything else we believe should be should be subject mostly to the give and take of a legislature, the checks and balances that come in with with that legislative process. Uh, Ohio's constitution has been amended 172 times and counting. Uh, it's 67,000 words. It's become sort of this this word salad of of public policy topics that really don't have a lot to do with the overall governance of our state. This is an idea that we've been debating in this state for a hundred years. You know, I I recall that, you know, just, just five years ago, even the Columbus dispatch, right. Ran two editorials that said, you know, protect integrity of Ohio's constitution, make it harder to change the constitution. Both of those favoring elevating those standards from something beyond 50% plus one. This has been a bipartisan idea in the past. We don't think that that should have changed. And uh, we think that issue one is a very reasonable uh, safeguard to Ohio's governing document. And in addition to the 60% threshold, which I think is, you know, getting the most attention and probably the thing that is easiest to understand, this would also change some rules that are in place for when citizens want to put an amendment on the ballot. So citizen groups have to gather signatures. Issue one would require them to gather signatures from all 88 counties instead of the current 44 county threshold. And it would also get rid of what's called a cure period. It's this 10-day period that allows citizen groups to essentially replace or correct faulty signatures, you know, if they get submitted to the Secretary of State's office and, you know, those are identified as being um, problematic for whatever reason, like if someone's address changed or something like that, so that cure period would be gone. That's correct. I mean, the, the if, if we're talking the rationale for that, I mean, I think that you know, when we pass a constitutional amendment, it applies in all 88 counties. You know, it, it, we, we should not have a situation where, you know, one region of the state can support an amendment that applies statewide. I think it's reasonable if these amendments are going to apply to, to all 88 counties that we have at least some minimal buy-in uh, from voters in those 88 counties when we talk about whether these proposals are even going to make it to the ballot. 
Uh, we've had in recent years, you know, some pretty some pretty bizarre proposals. You know, legalize all drugs, let violent criminals out of prison, grant marijuana monopolies to you know a handful of of, of rich folks, and uh, people sort of sit around and say, how did this happen? How did this get on the ballot? Um, you know, if if we had a little more greater buy in, we could prevent, I think, some of these really kind of fringe ideas from even being proposed. And it's worth noting real quick, because I got a lot of questions about that this recently when we um, asked readers for questions. The 60 percent threshold would apply to both amendments proposed by citizens and the legislature. The signature requirements would only apply to citizen initiatives because the legislature doesn't have to collect signatures to put an amendment on the ballot. Instead, they have to pass a resolution with a three fifths majority in uh, each chamber. So just wanted to clarify that for listeners. Correct. Yeah, and I want to kind of uh, touch on what you just said. So the ma- the marijuana monopoly failed. A lot of these that you brought up didn't pass. They are not part of our Constitution. What do you say to someone who's like, well, that was the check. Voters rejected those fringe ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a question, you know, we should not be playing chicken with our governing document every two years at the ballot. I'm, I'm, I'm glad some of these things have failed. Um, some other bad ideas have passed. And I think that, unfortunately, you're seeing a shift in strategy to where I mean, you have a national group called the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center that is devoted entirely to, you know, you know, getting things through in a constitution that could probably not pass in those state legislatures. And, you know, we're still going to allow that in Ohio, even if issue one passes. The only change is going to be that you have to get 60 percent uh, to pass. And I think, you know, at 60 percent, you're then showing that you have broad support. You're, you, you, you have some degree of bipartisan support if you can get to 60 percent. Um, you know, that that is what we think is is a better public policy. You've got that uh, that broader buy in. And what do you say to folks who say, OK, but we should do something perhaps either now or down the line to protect um, initiated statutes? Right. So Ohioans also have the option, which is what the marijuana legalization folks are mm-hmm. trying to do for 2024. They're not going for the Constitution. They're going to create statutory mm-hmm. law, which the legislature can change whenever it wants, because that's your job. But what do you say to someone who goes, okay, but then could we put more protections? Like if citizens pass a statutory change, should it be protected for two general assemblies, five general assemblies? Do you know what I mean to say? Like if we're going to keep things out of the Constitution, which are arguably policy, should there be protections for things that voters decide that they want? I've I've said from the beginning, I'm open to beefing up the initiated statute process. I think that it is a bit of a separate question from what we're going to do in our constitution. I, I do think that, you know, if we get a law wrong in the general assembly, we can fix it. We can change it the next day, essentially. If we get something wrong in our constitution, we're essentially stuck with it forever. So, you know, even even the dispatch, you know, this 2017 editorial said, yeah, we think there should be improvements to the initiated statute process. We also think that, you know, elevating the threshold for amending the constitution makes sense. And even the dispatch said, though, we think those should be two separate questions because they're two separate issues. Now, I would also push back, though. I mean, there's been this this narrative that, well, people don't do initiated statutes because as soon as you pass a law, you know, legislatures are going to ride in and, and override that immediately. I don't know of much historical precedent that that is actually occurring. And I also just being there, I, I, I think it's highly unlikely. I, I mean, I think that if, if Ohioans adopt an initiated statute, speaking for myself, I'm not going to come in the next day and say, well, I don't care about <laughs> The, the expressed will of the people from yesterday and vote to undo that. I think there would be a deference in that situation. If we need to add some protection, I think that's fine. But again, I think our state laws 
should be nimble, right? I mean, there are things that change on the ground, facts change, circumstances. There's there's a lot of laws that that we would pass differently today than we did three years ago. And I think that that is something ultimately Ohioans should want. This kind of push and pull over um, initiated statute versus the Constitution came up during um, back when Ohio had the Constitutional Modern Modernization Commission. Mm-hmm. See that five times fast. You know, there was a committee within that commission that said, let's raise the voter threshold for constitutional amendments to 55 percent of the vote and also make some changes to the initiated statute process. They kind of recommended those two things in conjunction with each other. The full commission ended up not recommending that before it disbanded in 2017. So that proposal never really went anywhere at the time, you know, but, you know, to Rep. Stewart's points, you know, these these ideas have been discussed to some degree in the past before. I want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is abortion. So um, obviously, I want to kind of ask you point blank, is the reason that this is going in a special election in August and not in the traditional November election because of the abortion amendment? No, I think that we there are a whole host of issues that we know are coming down the pike. As I mentioned, this is a this is a change in tactics nationally. This is an effort to sort of raise outside of Ohio money and then come to Ohio and try to buy policy in the state that I think is contrary to what the elected legislature would would elect. We know that's coming on a whole host of issues. I think it's entirely reasonable, knowing that that's on the horizon for this November, next November, and and so forth, to ask Ohioans to say, wait, we're going to have an election to decide the rules of the game. Right. If we're going to change the way the game is played, we're going to we're going to focus more on all of these, you know, trying to get things through the through the Constitution that we couldn't get through the legislature. It's entirely reasonable for Ohioans to say what they want that standard to be. Okay, so that applies in to abortion. That applies to redistricting. That applies to wage hikes. That applies to qualified immunity. So on and so on and so on. And so, um, you know, I think it is reasonable to have that vote first and whatever Ohioans decide they want the threshold to be moving forward. That's what it will be. And for folks who are curious, you oppose most access to abortion, correct? I am pro-life and I and I will be voting no on the November initiative, sure. So obviously, an August special election, one of the questions that we keep getting is, how are people going to know? Are people going to vote? Are we asking 10% of Ohioans to make a decision for all Ohioans? And, you know, turnout is an issue in every election, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? What is the Issue 1 campaign doing? Like, how are you trying to make sure that the most possible Ohioans actually get to to ma- to decide this very important issue? Well, look, I hope I hope everybody that supports issue one turns out to vote. And I hope everybody that opposes issue one turns out to vote. I hope that we do have robust turnout. I'm not willing to cede anything as far as predictions on turnout. We're going to have, I believe, pretty uh, uh, thorough campaigns run by each side. That's how it should be. Candidly, if somebody wakes up on August 9th and says, gee golly, I didn't know there was an election, then they're probably not paying close enough attention as a citizen. Okay. And, you know, our job as government is to you know, put these issues before the voters. And then, you know, we citizens have our own responsibility to be informed, to participate and to make our voice heard. So I always want turnout to be as high as it possibly can be. But, uh, you know, frankly, that's that's kind of on Ohioans to make their own their own voices heard. This is a statewide election in Ohio. You essentially have almost a month to vote. I don't think there's any excuse for somebody to say, well, gee, I didn't know there was an election. Um, What am I doing? I'm talking about issue one just about every single day. 
Um, I've been on podcasts that, uh, that that agree with me. I've been on a lot of podcasts that disagree with me. I'm taking the message to, frankly, anybody that that wants to listen, uh, both pro and con. And I know that you know to to the extent that that that's possible. You know, we're running the the, the vote yes campaign is is going to be robust. I'm sure we're going to be on TV. I'm sure I'm sure we're going to be doing mail and online and all the things that a successful campaign would do. And uh, I hope the opposition does as well because I think this is a you know, despite some of the characterization of this, this is a debate that we have been having for a hundred years. It was con- it was it was heavily debated in 1912. It was heavily debated after. There have been multiple proposals, you know, supported in different ways ever since. And so, this is a legitimate discussion to have, and I hope that uh, and I'm enjoying uh, having the discussion. I think you know there are going to be a couple interesting things about you know having this election in August. You know, first, as some of our listeners probably know, there was disagreement over whether this election is illegal, and there is probably still disagreement over that. However, the Ohio Supreme Court ruled that the election is legal, it can proceed. So, you know, it's still going. But, you know, to the point that we have a month to vote because of early voting, absentee by mail, I am interested to see how those early vote numbers compare to pass elections because August 8th, I mean, this it's summer. This is the time that people are going to be, you know, maybe on vacation or just generally not paying as much attention. So, you know, are we going to see more early voting with people trying to, you know, plan around their, you know, summer breaks and, you know, kids being out of school and things like that? Yeah. I, look, I hope people vote early. I've, 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 I, I was at a Republican event just this last week. I said I've voted early for 20 years. You know, now I go in person and I punch the machine at my uh, board of elections. I'm not a, I'm, I don't have a ton of faith sometimes in some of our uh, our mail, but it's but it's a safe way to vote and it's an effective way to vote. I hope people do. I hope people take advantage of it here through this summer. I mean, you know, you don't get to vote early uh, to this degree in New York. You do in Ohio, and I think that th- that is an advantage here in, 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 in a summer election. I don't know many people who are blessed enough to take a, a month long vacation, but uh, I don't get to take a month long vacation, but I hope that people certainly find time to vote uh, within the you know three plus weeks that Ohio allows. I also don't get to take a month long vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and one more thing before you go, sure. the deadline to register to vote in the August special election is July 10th. And if you're already registered, don't forget to bring a valid state ID with you when you go to the polls this August, because Ohio's new voter law now requires one. I would also recommend, you know, going to the Secretary of State's website and looking at the different deadlines that are in place for absentee voting, early voting, because the state's new election law did change some of the timelines for that as well. And your polling locations, because they're going to be different this year, in part because it is a summer election. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered today, check us out online at Enquirer.com.